chapter 15 of this book, great book, very easy to read. We're, we're 71 pages through this thing. I'm skimming through it, but to be honest, it's easy to skim through in a good way, meaning it's just very clear. It's chapter 15. It says, can a liberal be, a, can, can a liberal be in good faith? The book says on page 71, is there such thing, is there such a thing in rerum natura, that means in the nature of things, as a liberal in good faith? In our day, it seems almost impossible to reconcile liberalism with good faith, which is the only thing that can give it the shadow of an excuse. It cannot, however, be denied that, absolutely speaking, there may exist under particular circumstances an exceptional case, but this will indeed be unique. Again, this book is published in 1899, so probably written, I don't know, 1896, 7, 8. So he's saying in his day, uh, and this is 125 years ago when it was written. And he's saying, can a liberal be in good faith? Well, you know what? It's interesting about that time period. You might even be able to argue, I think you could argue, that liberalism as an actual philosophy put forth was very explicit at that time. So when somebody was actually saying, I am liberal, they knew exactly what that meant. Again, today, so many people will say, I'm just asking for true liberalism, but really what they mean is being a sane person, and they don't really know what the term means. But back then, liberalism was, uh, you know, it was known in the 1700s that liberalism was a philosophy against the faith. But I like how it says here, there may exist under peculiar circumstances an exceptional case, but this will indeed be unique. I think it's probably less unique today. I think this. I think the cases are less exceptional only because the – I'm trying to give benefit of the doubt here, the men I've mentioned before, the Peterson types, Jeffrey Tucker types, and so forth. Uh, I think today it's so obscure what liberalism means that there are a lot of people who would say, I'm trying to be a classic liberal. But really, they actually are trying to be a man of good faith, and whatever that means, only God knows. Page 73 says liberalism first presented itself under a political mask. That's true. Think revolution, 1700s and so forth. But since its debut, this mask has become so transparent that that blind indeed is he who cannot divine the perversity of such a miserable travesty. I do love how this book is written. Gets my author's senses tingling. Um, but that's important to note. Liberalism first presented itself under a political mask. That's the way that the revolutionaries operate. They still do this today. I don't care if you're Protestant, Catholic. Uh, if you're in a Protestant denomination, you know very well that the social justice gospel has infected whatever Whatever, you know, if you're a Methodist, whatever, there's some other church that calls itself Methodist and they got uh, rainbow flags over top of the, the altar or something. The social justice gospel has infected itself. It presents itself as political because that's the way that you get people. Politics is downstream of culture, down, downstream from culture, excuse me, that Andrew Barpart used to say. And uh, philosophy is the handmaid of theology. So you can't go attack the theology outright until you uh, pervert the people's philosophical thinking. And when you pervert the people's philosophical thinking, you end up corrupting the actual cultural exchanges between the people, education, art, literature, and so forth. And when you do that, 
you're able to get these ideas under the guise of politics. This is the M.O. of the uh, people who call themselves Catholics and are Democrats today. They claim that it's a political thing, not a religious thing. This is That's liberalism par excellence. And the book says... The halo in which it was first depicted has shown itself to be not the soft light of heaven, but the lurid glare of hell. It has gathered under it, its banner all the dregs of society wherever corruption was its precursor and promoter. This is a really important statement to unpack. The halo in which it was first depicted has shown itself to be not the soft light of heaven, but the lurid glare of hell. Meaning, liberalism was presented as the new gospel. Uh, in the French context, liberté, égalité, fraternité, liberty, equality, and fraternity. Where have we heard that before? In Canada, we were told this is the first three. These are the first three. This is the first phrase, first three uh, uh, ideas. Let's say of our British North America Act, our our constitutional document from 1867. Peace, order, and good government. Not really giving us a basis where it was supposed to be. In fairness, it was on common law, which was Christian, uh, essentially. But that's neither here nor there. But in essence, the halo was this new age of Aquarius. <laughs> the halo was this age of um, getting off the shackles of those corrupt kings and so forth. And here's the thing. They do, they do appeal to the fact that there is legitimate corruption. You see... In the political class, we were speaking about demons like Gavin Newsom on the other half. By the way, if you want to listen to the hours that you've missed, you've got to sign up. And you can access the show from the day before. Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Kennedy. Use the coupon code Kennedy and sign up. Stop drinking so many mocha fropa choppa lapa lattes, frou-frou drinks from Starbucks. I actually love Starbucks coffee. I'm just making fun of them. Um, but you know, some of the drinks are pretty, pretty dumb. Stop spending so much money on those. Dave Ramsey... Giving people lights out advice about uh, if they want to go broke, make them go broke. Don't take the poke. I can't keep rhyming that. I couldn't think of any more words. It's not a joke. Okay, I'll stop. Um, uh, but he would tell you not to drink those drinks anyway. And actually, it's uh, I'm going to email Dave Ramsey and say, listen, you got to make an addendum to your famous book, Total Money Makeover. You got to say you got to save your money so you can upgrade to another level of subscription. To the Crusade Channel. In any case, the promise of the uh, liberalism was something that was put forth as a great positive. It turned into the horrors of the French Revolution. And it has gathered under the banner, as this book says, all the dregs of society wherever corruption was its precursor and promoter. Is there anything more corrupt? And I mean, not just stolen election, but just think of the, 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 the accumulation of filth that is the leftist movement. Think about it for a second. It's the logical conclusion of, of, of liberalism. It's to the point now where in order to be a leftist, in order to be a leftist, who's that guy? Booker? Is it Cory Booker? Oh, maybe I'm forgetting his name. He's the Democrat, and he's always saying crazy things. Um, he was talking to uh, Pompeo. He was he was questioning him. It was a couple years ago or something. One of those clips that went viral. And uh, it got to the point where, like, he started getting so intense about the reality of the homosexual relationship 
realities that we won't describe. He's sta- I'm, I'm, I remember listening to this, and, I'm, and, and he's standing in front of like all the politicians, and um, he's asking Pompeo what he's going to do in other countries where they, you know, basically outlaw homosexuality, and he starts talking about the nitty gritties of the dang thing, and I'm like, my goodness gracious, how have we got to the point? And Pompeo. But whatever his fault may be, to his credit, he answered it pretty well. And he was just kind of like, I'm not going to talk about this. This is kind of crazy. And, uh, but I thought to myself, how, how far from grace do you have to fall? Now you talk about like specifics of an anatomical realities that will leave off the table. And you just keep clamoring on about them as if that's polite conversation amongst people who are civilized. It was astonishing. But this is what this book is saying is that all the dregs of society, wherever corruption was its precursor and promoter, you cannot find a more corrupt uh, and absurd evil type of person than a modern leftist politician. I don't know how you create them. the, The whole thing is based on lies, complete and utter lies. Math is a lie to them, or something to lie about. Racial issues, religious issues, sexual issues. End of life, beginning of life, everything. The reality, the nature of reality itself is corrupted. This is the fruit, these are the fruits of liberalism. The author says, the terrors of the French Revolution were the evidence of its origin as sprung from the corruptions of a society that had abandoned God and, and battened on the bestial results of Voltairean skepticism. Read Voltaire as a how-to novel not, not how, how not to live. Now, I'm going to say something here that's going to be challenging to my Protestant brothers and sisters. And I mean challenging, not condemnatory, but challenging. Because you've got to remember, liberalism is kind of defined as the, the, tra- the trajectory where you look at the created order and you say, I'll be the judge of what's true. Now you can find things that are true because you can, you can discern true things. So that's why a lot of liberals are, you know, classic liberals are quite intelligent and sane because they still orient themselves in, in the truth. They might think that they're the arbiter of it, but nonetheless, the truth itself has an effect on them. But the author says here, and sorry, Protestantism needs to, you need to take strongly into account this idea uh, that there's a f- intellectual foundation for Protestantism because uh, Martin Luther basically took the perspective of liberalism, meaning I'm going to reject the order that was handed down and I'll be the arbiter of it. And 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 to the fullest conclusion, I'm going to interpret the Bible myself. There's debatable parts in the Bible you can interpret for yourself. Catholics can do that. There's no problem. Uh, but there's it's a very liberal orientation, and I think. Well, I'll just read this and then we'll and we'll see what it means. He says, when Protestantism is fast losing its power, sinking into the abyss, liberalism, even more formidable and more dangerous, fills the ranks with enemies still more resourceful, implacable, and obstinate. Think about right now, think about the mainstream Protestant denominations. Now, there are problems in the Catholic Church, and I will illuminate those every day of the week. I'm just saying, generally speaking. Think of the Anglicans. Think of the the mainstream 
I mean, denomination after denomination is basically coming out now and saying that they're going to accept the redefinition of marriage. You know, you know the drill. You know, uh, pro-choice feminists, uh, women pastors or Anglican priestesses. Um, it's really only like, the only Protestants of, of, of true uh, faith anymore are usually non-denominational. Uh, or there's some old school version of like a Pentecostal or something. It's really hard to find uh, Protestants that actually believe um, in a real conservative sense the morals of the Bible, just like it is in the, in the Catholic Church. But I mean, the denominations themselves seem to be fading because they've been that vacuum, as this book said, has been filled by liberalism who are always more obstinate and placable than those who are in the fading denominations. And he says, Protestantism is now a dead dog. Liberalism, and this is in the 125 years ago, liberalism, a living lion going about seeking whom he may devour. Its dreadful doctrine is permeating society to the core. It has become the modern political creed and threatens us with a second revolution to turn the world over once again to paganism. A great um, a prolific Protestant hero, Dietrich von Hildebrand, was talking about this in the 1930s. He was in New York. Lutheran pastor, definitely a courageous man, uh, stood up to the st stood up to the Nazi regime, very heroic. And but he was talking about how when he was in New York in the 1930s, that there was no emphasis on basically what we would call the four last things: death, judgment, heaven, and hell. It had basically turned into a self help club, and he's saying this in the 1930s. And it's no surprise around that time. You see the Pentecostal movement begin basically in the 19, early, like 1901 or something like that. So I only say this, not, uh, I'm not here to, to uh, be condemnatory. I hope I'm not coming off like that at all. I don't think I am. But it's worth, if we're thinking about that liberal disposition of being kind of the arbiter of truth, well, that's based a lot on our own steam. And if we apply that to religion, then it's a matter of time before we accept liberal principles in our doctrine. And I think we're seeing that in most of the Protestant denominations. Uh, officially, it doesn't happen in the Catholic Church, thankfully, uh, but it's definitely de facto accepted by many prelates, and it's a great issue. Uh, we've only got a, a three, three, four minutes left here. So I'm going to start going over these distinctions of the symptoms of liberalism. We'll continue with this tomorrow on the last uh, portion of the show, because there's a lot we can say about this. But the next chapter is called The Symptoms of Liberalism. By the way, you can buy this book at shop.mikechurch.com. You listen to The Kennedy Profession on the Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing always on air, and always online at crusadechannel.com. We talk about the symptoms of liberalism. Basically, he says, we are surrounded by liberalism in all its shapes and varieties. Again, he's writing 125 years ago. And it behooves us to be on guard against its subtle dangers, to lay down special rules by which we may detect it in its shadings and minutia is neither practical nor necessary, but some general directions may be given. Their application must be left to each one's proper discretion. To facilitate this manner, this matter, we will divide liberals, whether persons or writings, into three classes. Extreme liberals, moderate liberals, 
And number three, quasi-liberals or those only tainted with liberalism. Man, I wish there were... Um, I wish there were theologians that still talk like this guy today. So he breaks it up into three categories. The extreme liberal, the moderate liberal, and the, the, the man who's simply tainted, the quasi-liberal. We'll go into this in depth more, but I think it's pretty easy to see those things. The extreme liberal is the AOC, is the Bernie Sanders. And to be honest, more and more of the mainstream leftists. Joe Biden right now is an extreme liberal. The moderate liberals, these are the sort of centrists. They're the, the fake conservatives like uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, they're what Barack Obama pretended he was in his first term. Um, and then there's the quasi man, the man who's tainted with liberalism, but still attempts to be a generally a good man and a sincerely pious man. I think... I think that pretty much describes most of the decent actors in the so-called conservative movement. I mean, I, I would think of a man like Ron DeSantis definitely has some liberal principles because that's pretty much the air you breathe in politics nowadays. But from what you can tell, it's okay. He's trying to do the right thing. So I think those are helpful distinctions. We'll go though. We'll go into those in depth tomorrow uh, because it helps illuminate where we can see these things. And also not only from a perspective of avoiding it, but we might be able to to see those those in our own life. I'm not I'm not uh, teaching this book study from a place of being holier than thou. This is a, a useful read for me as well because I've got to check my I got to check my principles. I don't got to check my privilege. I got to check my principles. So we've been going over liberalism as a sin. Buy the book at shop.mikechurch.com. It's a very easy read. Uh, we're probably going to finish this book, I bet you, in the next seven or eight shows. We'll be done. And after that, we're going to move on to something else. Uh, I've been getting good feedback about the study hall session. So we're going to continue this because people really like it. And it's helpful for me as well.